Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stahl. All right, welcome to our podcast where we cover business in the news and add our legal twist. My name is Nasser Pasha here in Houston, Texas. And I'm Matt Staub at an undisclosed location, not in Houston, Texas. Undisclosed, in the middle of the desert of San Diego, which is a desert, by the way. You know, it has been pretty warm. Today was pretty warm. There's rumors there was going to be some more rain, which it rained a couple of weekends ago. It's pretty rare, but yeah, it's never really happens. By the way, I think we should start a tradition every Monday episode. Let's talk about the weather for five minutes <laughs> before we start. It always is. You mentioned something and I'm just staring out the window as I'm talking and usually noticing what the what the weather's like as I'm recording. So it's just kind of how it happens. Well, my wife's there right now enjoying the weather. So Oh, is she? Hello to her. It's a big city, so I probably won't see her. Uh, just keep an eye out. You may run into her. I'll keep an eye out. But everything's going on in Texas, so. We got a Texas story to start off here. There was a staffing agency and a company, and a per- the staffing agency placed a certain employee with this company. And, and what the details of it are, basically the staffing agency placed this, I believe it was an accountant, or at least I'm assuming as such, because it was dealing with, with funds. But the, the person that they placed with this company embezzled $15 million over eight years, which doesn't even really seem possible. I mean, I guess that if you're generating a lot of income, then okay. But still, like that's for for any business, that's still a, a decent chunk of change. I mean, it's what two a little under two million bucks a year that this person was able to embezzle out of the company. So, but what's weird is she was placed. I think this is a she, right? Yeah, she. She was placed as a receptionist. And then she was promoted to the head of accounting. Not even Pam Halper could get all the way to accounting. She just went from receptionist to sales. <laughs> Actually, I think not to get too far off track, but I think wasn't it Kevin who came in for a sa- or for a receptionist position or something? Even like maybe even like janitor. And Michael's like, you know, I had a hunch, so I hired him as, as an accountant. <laughs> exactly. And I suppose the the head quote head of accounting. Who knows exactly what that means of how big this company is, but $15 million, obviously how you lose that money and not notice it. I'm sure it was a large enough company for for that to happen. I would think so. But, and so there was this big theft of $15 million essentially. And what the company was saying was, this is the staffing agency that's at fault here because they should have conducted a criminal background check on this individual because in this instance, she did have a prior theft record. I mean, I'm Sure, it probably didn't amount to a $15 million in over eight years theft issue, but still, nonetheless, there was a criminal background. And so the company was saying the staffing agency failed to notify them of this individual's criminal record. I guess at some point they discovered it down the road, and I'm not sure exactly when that was, but that was kind of the bulk of their argument. And you know, the first thing you're going to think of is like, well, what was in the agreement between the staffing agency and the company, because that's probably going to give us a good idea of who's ultimately going to be responsible for this. Okay. So I, by the way, I have more information now, you know, Jacob, our law clerk helped us research this and he, and he linked some old article from back in 2012. And I'm just like, why is this relevant? And it's because this is the exact same embezzlement. Apparently this goes back, even though the civil liability is more recent, apparently this goes back to 2012, where actually three people were sentenced to prison for embezzling. I think at that time they counted it up to 13 million and now we're at 15. 
Yeah, so the it, it, it does reference Davis Lynch at the bottom of the article I was reading now. So that's it's got to be the same one, unless they're unless they've had multiple huge theft issues. <laughs> that would be horrible. So hopefully it's hopefully it's not a coincidence. And Davis Lynch is a pretty big energy company. So and that's down in Pearland, which is uh, in Harris County. Well, actually, it's just outside of Harris County in southeast Houston, basically. What's the weather like there? Weather in Pearland is very, very humid compared to Houston because it's more south and close to, closer to the water. So I wouldn't want to live to live in Pearland for sure. Especially, in, I wouldn't want to work at Davis Lynch. They're like being embezzled left and right. <laughs> you would want to work there because you basically can just get free money. That's a good point. Possibly go to jail, but so the, it looks like these guys were sentenced for. I mean, this person Nancy Marino was sentenced for thirty years in prison. So these guys guys got some heavy sentences. So so apparently it took some time to go after the staffing agency. Which, by the way, staffing agencies. You know, we've had them as clients, and we've had clients that have used staffing agencies. It is just a legal mess in the sense that a lot of companies, especially companies like this uh, oil and gas company, they use staff agencies really to kind of get around I don't want to say I don't want to call them loopholes but it basically the big advantage of a staffing agency is usually and this is not always the case but usually the employer is a staffing agency and you're hiring the staffing agency to provide services and that employee will come to your office and and basically act as an employee but they're not really but the problem is is that the liability from the employer's perspective, I should say the businesses or business client of the staffing agency can be held responsible as a co-employer. It happened with uh, Microsoft in California about five or six years ago where they had the same kind of setup, but these so-called non-employees ended up suing and being considered what are called common law employees. And, you know, that's kind of a strange term for most people, but this could actually happen. It's a whole mess. So it's not surprising to see that this company going after the staffing agency, but I don't know. What do you think? I think the court held the right decision. I mean, as far as liability for embezzlement. Yeah. So, so right now it's gone through two stages. The, the initial trial court decision held that the staffing agency did nothing wrong. And if you, when you look at the facts behind it, it makes sense. I'll just detail a couple of these. The contract itself did not require it, the staffing agency to conduct a criminal background check. Okay. The staffing agency did not owe the company a fiduciary duty in placing employees because their contract specifically stated the staffing agency was an independent contractor. I think you touched just touched a little bit on that. And then these last two, which are important when we get to the court of appeals, basically the trial court found the agency, the staffing agency was not negligent both in supervising the employee because the, the contract excluded accounting from the list of departments Remember that she went from receptionist, she was initially hired as a receptionist and not accountant, and then not negligent in hiring or retaining the employee without a background check because it was not foreseeable the employee would engage in embezzlement as a receptionist, like I said, the position she was originally placed. So all that, I mean, that makes sense. And, you know, when you think about it from that standpoint, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, they they hired her as a receptionist. The only thing I would want to know is when... The staffing agency did find out she had a criminal background because I think that's going to play into it as well. But let me just get into the Court of Appeals decision. So they, they found the same thing, but it found that the staffing agency could be liable for negligent retention, i.e. for continuing to employ the employee after it had found out about her criminal record and after it found out that the company had placed her in the accounting department and failed to notify the company of this background. 
so that's the claim that's still outstanding and the jury is going to decide whether this is what they're going to look into it was foreseeable that an employee with a theft record would embezzle money when placed in the accounting department i mean and that i think is foreseeable i mean that's directly handling funds we'll see how they come out on that but it's going to depend on a couple things in terms of when they became aware of it how much the staffing agency i guess knew or and what's interesting about that kind of ruling is that a staffing agency could literally have in their contract that okay we don't do a background check so it's your responsibility to have certain security protocols etc to make sure that you're not embezzled against i mean i wouldn't say it in like that but my point is if they said something kind of some kind of disclaimer to that effect even if they knew she had a criminal background and she was placed in the accounting department that kind of contractual language could protect them in that respect so it, the court mentions, and I think even the article that talks about this mentions things that you can do when you're dealing with these kind of staffing agencies. But like I said, these staffing agencies, there's just so many legal issues, both from an employer perspective as the client, but also from the staffing agencies from an employer perspective. There's always misclassification issues. There's issues when it comes to wage and hour laws. And very seldom do I see a completely clean kind of relationship when it comes to this without any issues. I mean, both from large to small, it's just a very highly contested issue. But by the way, we keep saying head of accounting. This criminal case back in 2012, it actually says she went from, this is uh, Nancy Marina, by the way, she went from receptionist all the way to chief financial officer of actually becoming an officer of the business. So that's that's according to the criminal case apparently. So so they were going through, through some kind of internal audit and they couldn't locate a copy machine that was purchased and maintained with company funds. And apparently this copy machine ended up being at the business of, I think the son of Marino, at some business. And then they did a forensic accounting and apparently were able to find out that all this money had been taken and there was some co-conspirators on, on how this was taken, which goes to show you like, you know, when you're putting people in trusted positions of your business, even if you trust them, like you do have to have some checks and measures. And it's kind of a sad story if, you know, I think uh, this was a this was a family owned business and probably still is and pretty tough loss, I would say. Yeah, I mean, it's still... I guess she did a pretty good job at embezzling the funds if she was able to take that much, you know, and even when they, the only thing that triggered it was that copier. Yeah. And that's how they did it. They basically created fake invoices to made up companies. And, and that's the, that's the problem when you have three people in your business that are entrusted sources, because you could have like a CFO and then a comptroller or someone else that is, you know, someone separate than the CFO from to actually write checks but if they're all in on it, then then it's like, what kind of you know checks and measures can you have when you're when you're that kind of corruption goes so deep into your organization? Yeah, and so you mentioned staffing agencies, how it can be tricky. I mean, for the employer, employment law, especially in California, this obviously wasn't in California, but generally speaking, it's it's already can be complicated enough, and then just involving the staffing agency. You were talking about this co-employment issues. I mean, the IRS and a lot of state statutes use a 20-factor common law test. So, I mean, we've talked about that many times before on the employee independent contractor multi-factor test and how there's no black and white and it's just so hard to decipher. I mean, this it could be fine with using staffing agencies. You just have to be very careful and very narrowly defined and, 
you know, what you're getting out of it and what the what the contract says. Absolutely. And even when the appellate court mentioned background checks, that's problematic too. Because when you do background checks of your employees, every state has their own guidelines on how you do that. But if, you know, especially a staffing agency, you're assuming that they're going through a lot of employees and doing a lot of background checks, you can very easily fall into a trap of discrimination based upon those background checks illegal discrimination that is and again like like i said it's just it's just a mess of of liability and it's not uncommon to see even those that have retained counsel and advise them accordingly just because of the nature of it just being rampant of violations here and there and and i know for a fact the irs and other state equivalent agencies are going after are really scrutinizing of these kinds of relationships for sure but then again the, the law is a little weak in the enforcement on that. So to be fair. That's what I was going to ask you. So based on what the jury's going to look into on this one claim for negligent retention, I mean, do you think it's possible that this they, staffing agency is going to be held liable, at least to some extent? Oh, based upon the appellate court's opinion, I don't think so. I, I'd be surprised. And frankly, I don't think they should because embezzlement is an intentional tort. You know, it's an intentional act, that intentional criminal act. And even if they have a background, maybe if they have a background of stealing money or embezzling, and they, like, like the appellate court says, they knew that they were getting into a position where they could do this, maybe. But even then, it's not like a clear cut. It has to be compelling that somehow the staffing agency had a duty and that, that the staffing agency was in the best position to prevent the harm. But in reality is that even if someone is, has that kind of background, it was a bigger problem than just this employee. They they had two other co-conspirators to actually go through this. And by the way, it, even in the criminal article from 2012, it says three of six people were charged. And so there's a there's an indication, or you can gather from that, there might have been more people involved, and perhaps they didn't have enough against them, or maybe they didn't have anything to do with it. But this seems seems very unique. Yeah, I mean, there, and there's no mention that the other people were hired by the same staffing agency, so I, I would assume that they weren't. And I mean, unless the staffing agency is like they just hire criminals and that's it, that's possible. And, and all three were placed in, in, in that position. It might be one of those kind of staffing agencies. Maybe we'll get selected for that jury. Too much knowledge of the case, but. Well, jury duty seems to be strict out here. Matt, you and I found out Los Angeles County is strict too, because in San Diego, I'm not advising this for those listening, but if you don't show up, they just stop sending you requests. But I showed up when I was called in San Diego. You have too, right? We've talked about this. The last time I was called in San Diego, it was the first day that you could be called for the year. So it was like January like 2nd or something. And yeah. I'm trying to think what year that was. Maybe 2011, 2012. I forget, but it's, uh, you know, I showed up. We sat there for a bunch of hours. They gave us like a two hour lunch. And then we came back for, I think, 45 minutes and they let, they called names throughout the time and then they let everyone else go. So I didn't even really have an opportunity to, I guess I could have not showed up like you suggested, but. <laughs> I didn't suggest that. I don't think I did. Don't get me in trouble. The nice thing was it, at the time I was living very close to where it was. So, and I worked close. So, I mean, it wasn't, despite the fact of not being able to, you know, be in an office, but, you know, I at least could walk home for the lunch. Mine was so easy. I was there for like an hour or two and, you know, sitting in that waiting room and I just went to the clerk and I'm like, this is what I'm going to tell the judge of the reasons why I can't go. And she just told me to leave. I later found out that it wasn't a clerk. It was just some random person that I was talking to. Well, I think that's our episode. 
I think so. Our Texas-only episode for once. All right, thanks for joining us. Keep it sound, keep it smart. This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stop. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date, and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.